Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. Ryan Finley, sports editor of the Union Tribune. Uh, this is our first podcast of 2024. I suppose we could have, uh, you know, talked about a couple things, but really, that's because nothing's happened, and it's because spring training starts this week. Ryan, we have uh, we have some things to catch up on. Not much, though, and and you can blame A.J. Preller if, if, like me, you were scared by the photo that producer John Kelly chose of the friar, um, because what else was John going to pick as a picture? Uh, maybe Mike Schilt, huh? Is that where you would like to start? <laughs> I, uh, that is, is, that is horrifying. I think, oh my goodness. Yeah, I, we should start with Mike Schilt. You know, just a, a little background and, and a hello to our listeners and viewers again. Um, you know, I've been asked many times here the last couple of months when we were going to do a podcast again. And I said, hey, man, we're just waiting for a big move. <laughs> and so we're still waiting. Uh, yeah, I think that the biggest move in terms of addition, addition uh, that the Padres right. have made this offseason is probably hiring Mike Schilt. Um, he was hired November 22nd. Kevin, you wrote an absolutely mesmerizing story about him that ran hmm. a couple of weeks ago in our paper. Um, uh, to our, our readers and listeners uh, or listeners and viewers, uh, find that story if you haven't read it already. Give yourself a half hour, 40 minutes to read it because it is long. It's it's fantastic. Um, Kevin, you've gotten to know him and his people here in the last couple of months. What are the Padres getting in Mike Schilt? First and foremost, and I think that if Mike were answering this question, this is what he would say, an organizational man. And why is that important? Because I believe that Mike Schilt is the most, the best suited man to work with A.J. Preller as a manager to a general manager in Preller's what, by the way, this will be Preller's 10th full season as general manager of the Padres. And here is a guy, Mike Schilt, who was with one organization, the St. Louis Cardinals, who for decades prided themselves on being like the organization above all else. And that's what Mike Schilt was brought up and uh, ascended to manager, by the way, never had a losing season in, in three plus seasons uh, with the Cardinals. Uh, and Mike is all about other people. He's about relationship. And he is about that. Even if you don't agree, even if you have big problems with the direction that you find a way to work within the system and you find a way to lead other men making them believe in what the organization is doing. And I, 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 Hey, that's all I'm saying, right? Wrong. Preller fan, not a Preller fan. You, if you've been paying attention, if you've been following along for years and especially the drama last year with Bob Melvin, you know, that's a dream come true for AJ Preller. Is he an old school guy or a new school guy? Cause, cause he'll say one thing and I go, Oh my goodness, this could be 1988. You know, talking about, you know, running the bases well and, and not giving away outs. And, and then he, he'll he use another phrase, you know, he'll use the phrase equally yoked. And I go, wow, that's sort of a little new agey. Uh, it's actually biblical. Sounding. Yes. Biblical. Yes. Yeah. Right. A little religious <laughs> sounding. Um, it, he's to me, he seems like a mix. Kevin, what are, what are your early impressions from that? Standpoint? Sure. A mix, which, right. Like every guy's going to tell you that now. Right. Uh, <laughs> but you're, you're correct. I mean, you made uh, like the things that he talks about now, of course, bolstering that belief, right. Is like the new rules with the, the, right. the base running uh, pitch clock. Um, and the fact that Mike Schilt had a front row seat to watch the Padres lose a whole bunch of games where if they just moved a runner over once in a while or, you know, they, they would have been in the playoffs. And so Mike Schilt can say to his guys, hey, look, 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 listen, listen, guys. Um, 
remember last year. All right, just one run here. This could be the difference. So, but yeah, among the things, the what I called the, the Cardinals guerrilla warfare on Mike Schilt, because no one ever talked on the record about what it was that caused a you know, three-time playoff manager to be fired suddenly um, was that, hey, maybe he wasn't entirely um, on board with kind of a shift that the Cardinals were trying to make. Right. Um, well, I, I in my conversations with Mike, as adamant as he is about, you know, it really hasn't changed much since he coached high school baseball, you know, play, uh, play together, play good defense, pitch well, don't make mistakes, don't beat yourself, um, you know, d- execute, be disciplined. Uh he is definitely into the new school. He understands the analytics and how they complement the old school way of thinking. Sure. Kevin, in your story about Mike Schilt, one of the most interesting points you made, I, I think, was from the time he was a boy, like my kid's age, he was around a baseball stadium doing different things every day. He told you what kind of cleats Cal Ripken wore. He, you know, he worked the clubhouse. He worked the the scoreboard or the the scoreboard. He was in the press box. He ran hot dogs to the umpires after game. This is a guy who knows every single facet of baseball and has since he was a boy. Kevin, I'm not asking you to compare him to Bob Melvin, but it seems to me as if very few men in baseball have that sort of background where they've, you know, they literally shine the shoes in the clubhouse and now they're a big league manager. You know, I've I've talked about this often. I've talked to Mike about it. I marveled when I learned about how how important the Orioles and see he when you talk about it being around a ballpark, it was Double uh, A Charlotte O's uh, that uh, that he his mom worked for. She was the right hand man to the owner, and and so Mike was around a lot. And the Orioles, by the way, were the winningest franchise in Major League Baseball for 25 years, which encompassed the time that Mike was with them. And he always talked about the Orioles' way as much as he talked about the Cardinals' way. And I, for a couple of years, was like, "What the heck, man? What are you? You you were like a shoe shine boy." Um, and I get that was a big deal, but like you were with the Cardinals for 18 years and ascended to be manager well think back to your formative years think back to if when you were 10 years old you were learning at the feet of cal ripkin and 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 cal ripkin senior and jimmy williams uh you know and and a whole bunch of other guys that that you know were old baseball men that would stick with you forever and so um that that's big to mike and i mean i i I, like honestly not because i wrote it I can't recommend it more in terms of trying to understand a man, uh, the, mm. the story I wrote. Uh, and I say that only because I think, you know, it was thanks to thanks in part to you, Ryan, uh, and you, what you uh, what you allowed and how you supported it. Uh, it was lengthy. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff that was in there. And, and, and look, now going forward, pitchers and catchers report Sunday and and. Um, they do their first workout Sunday. They're, of course, it's going to be brief. They want to get out and watch the Super Bowl as well. But now it's about what Mike Schilt does with the Padres. And that is how you know he will be judged going forward, how A.J. Preller will be judged going forward. But in terms of understanding him, I mean, I'm glad we had this you know chance to, to talk about it because uh, he's, a, he's a very interesting man uh, and he is very grateful. And, and I'll tell you one story, and I don't want to get into the comparisons either. 
Um, and I didn't write this in the story. And this is what I like to use the, the podcast for in case some of you are just listening for the first time is there's little things that maybe, you know, as much as you and I love the printed word, right, Ryan, like sometimes things don't come across well, right. or they, they, no matter what you do, people can read into it. And it, whatever you do, and you know how important context is to me, people just kind of it, it lacks the context. So I didn't want to do this because I'm not going to get into making this about Bob Melvin versus Mike Schill or what Bob Melvin did wrong or anything. But you, we all know AJ Preller, right? Like work all the time. Talk, 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 talk. You know, if, if, if you're married, you know, it would be like to work with AJ Preller just wants to talk everything to death. Here's a, a contrast. Bob Melvin was hired and, uh, they had their press conference back there. What was it? October 31st, 2021. And when it was all done, they're all hanging out at the ballpark. AJ and his staff start meetings and there's two or three meetings. And later that day, Bob Melvin says to uh, a few people like, wow, you guys have a lot of meetings around here. It just wasn't Bob's way of doing things. It just wasn't the A's way of doing things where Bob had been for that long. Mike Schilt gets hired. He's practically in a plane right away to go and visit all these players. He goes home for a day, comes back to San Diego like three or four times to participate in meetings. Um, this is who he is. There's this. I, I tell the story only to, to talk about, not so much about Bob, but how A.J. Preller is just like, yeah, this is my guy. Because that's how A.J. Preller does things. It's so interesting to me. Also, we're talking about Schilt's background. I'm not going to talk about your story without letting this awesome fact uh, get pointed out. Something like what eight men ever who who have not played professional baseball have managed in the big leagues. Take not away a lick of professional baseball. Not a lick of professional baseball. And it's uh, that, only like a hundred and something. Not even close to two hundred. Like more closer to a hundred that have played only in the minors. So it's a small right. amount of the whatever thousand men who have managed. Right. 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 Of the thousand men who have managed, let's just say eight have not played professional baseball not of those that eight becomes six. When you take Ted Turner, who managed one game for the Braves, when he bought the Braves out, when you take some guy from the what 1910s who had bought his team and decided that he could do a better job. So then we're down to like six, right? Of those six, the only guy who has not been basically objectively bad has been Mike Schilt. Mike Schilt has what he's the only one in the group with a winning record. Correct. Right. And he's the and 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 he and his winning percentage is significantly higher. It's and he's like managed, five four five fifty nine maybe over right. three and a half seasons. Took the Cardinals to the playoffs right. three times, and just among all managers who've ever managed whatever it is, I think he's at like four hundred and fifty games. But I, I think I went down to say three hundred or three hundred and fifty games, and it's like the sixth or seventh or eighth best winning percentage all time among managers who've managed that many games. Since I shouldn't say all time. I'm sorry. I went back to men who started in the fifties. Okay. You so go modern era. And, you right. know, uh, you go back into the tens and the twenties or, you know, as, as little parody as there was in the fifties, uh, there was less in the tens and twenties. So it's incredible. Kevin, can Mike Schilt pitch? That's my <laughs> next question. There we go. We're going to shift into baseball and it is one of the things you can't help, but like, okay, so Mike Schilt got a lot of the same team and we haven't talked about Juan Soto being shipped off and what the Padres got back speaking of pitchers, but um, the big thing is, you know, I don't know what manager is going to win unless they add some pitching or, and this is kind of the thing that they'll hold on to right now, the myriad guys that they got step up. 
okay doesn't every team say that though um so i do think they're going to add a pitcher be that michael lorenzen uh noah Syndergaard. um it'll be someone that they can get for cheap okay mm -hmm. because they believe here's what you have you darvis joe musgrove hard to argue if they're healthy right that that's a real good starting point michael king who they got as part of the you could argue with the centerpiece at least immediately speaking of the uh return for juan soto uh Look, everyone thinks very highly of Michael King. I think he made nine starts last year. He's made 19 in his career. He threw 104 innings last year. Uh, they got Randy Vasquez and Johnny Brito, two guys that uh, Randy Vasquez made his debut against the Padres last May uh, when, uh, at Yankee Stadium. Uh, Johnny Brito began the season in the rotation last year. I think it was uh, – was it uh, – Nestor Cortez, uh, mm -hmm. the, 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 there was injury. And and so uh, Brito, and he, I think, made 13 starts. These are fine swing men. They, they, they have been. They also might be fine starters, but we don't know that. Mm -hmm. Huge. It's, it's Darvish, Musgrove, or Musgrove, Darvish, whatever. Musgrove, Darvish, King, question mark, question mark, question mark. And this is from a team that Ryan, as disappointed as last year was, they were contenders. Mm -hmm. They went to the playoffs in 22. They were contenders last year. And it was largely on the strength of a starting <laughs> rotation that provided an abundance of innings. There is a way, and I got a story coming out on Sunday that talks about how rare it is. There is a path to being a successful team without a rotation that gives you 850, uh, 875 innings. Mm -hmm. It's rare. The Padres tried to do it, Kevin, in 21, didn't they? Well, they, they thought they were covered there, but you are correct. They ended up tr having to try what they, that's a great point and a way to bring up what they've done this year. And that is see, that, that 21. I, I fell for it. So I can't blame the Padres. I remember writing a story detailing exactly why it, it looked that their rotation was set and then injury after injury, after injury befell them. So it is interesting. They're going into this year, basically like, but what they've done is, bolster the bullpen big time and that includes a number of, of swing guys um i already mentioned brito and and, and vasquez uh though you're now looking at them to sort of fill out the rotation uh but pedro avila jay groom uh, adrian morahone possibly though coming off injury i don't know that he's more than an inning guy uh uh glenn Otto, luis patino is back uh matt waldron so how it'll be fascinating in addition to whoever it is that i am convinced they're going to bring in who steps up in spring and how do they negotiate all these innings? Cause remember you use Pedro Avila. Let's say Pedro Avila is just as effective this year as like a, a piggyback guy as he was last year. He can only pitch twice a week. Right. I mean, so then you limited your bullpen. Right. And so it comes in who has options um, and are you playing that game? And then what happens when you've got injuries to your bullpen? But I mean, Look, they have done a fantastic job, uh, in my opinion. I think opinion of a lot of people. I, I basically, I, I base my opinions largely on what uh, smarter baseball people than me say. They've done a real good job in adding to their bullpen, but the bullpen is the shakiest place to kind of stake your your confidence. I think every baseball man will will acknowledge that that like you you want to feel good about your bullpen, but you can only feel so good about your bullpen. There's just so many variables. Well, and we can go through the list in, in Padres history of lights out relievers who just kind of for one reason or another lose it. Right? Yep. Tim Hill was Tim Hill was pretty awesome until he until he started getting hurt and he kind of lost it. 
I, I think of somebody like a Clay Meredith, and now I'm dating myself. Sidearming right-hander was un, was unhittable for two years, and then was just a guy, Joe Thatcher, right? I mean, there are guys who – this is why you don't give multi-multi-year contracts to relievers, except the Padres do now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, to me, Kevin, and, and this is just my sort of view from the stands, the Padres – we're struggling so so much to get quality starters. They decided to sort of fill their basket with relievers, hoping hoping they could shorten game, mm-hmm. hoping that now you're asking maybe Pedro Avila if he's a part of the rotation to pitch five innings instead of six uh-huh. or whatever that is. They they go to the Asian market and they get two players who you know could be could be closer types, could be setup types. Um, you know they go they sign a Yankees free agent, right? I mean they've. They've really tried now to shorten the game almost the way was it the Yankees a couple of years ago who did that, where basically if you could get through six, oh my gosh, it was it lights was, out. Yep. It was, I think it was 19 in particular. They did it for a couple of years, but 19 right. was stupendous. I believe that was it. Right. Right. Where they had like Batances and, uh, and uh, Chapman and somebody else, right. Uh, the former Orioles closer. Uh, they had Britain, Britain, Zach Britain. Yep, there, there was also someone I, I can picture his face, but not his name. But anyway, yes, that it was like, it was done. Right. Right. And, and, and so, I mean, maybe is that Kevin sort of how they're hoping to cover those innings now? Yep. Um, Cause all of a sudden you take the guys who might've been bullpen types and Adrian Morahone, and maybe those guys become either long guys or rotation candidates as the season goes on. I mean, it seems like everybody sort of moves over a chair now that they have, the back end of their bullpen essentially locked in. I mean, we're talking four guys, Kevin, who could, I mean, if you had Robert Suarez, we're talking Robert four Suarez, guys. Wandy Peralta, uh, uh, Matsui, Rui. Go, mm-hmm. who's more like probably a seventh inning guy. You've got yeah. Wilson, seventh inning guy. Uh, De Los Santos, who they traded Barlow uh, for. Yeah. So you basically swapped like a seventh inning guy. So you have a bunch of seventh inning guys. Costco moves back to a sixth inning guy, uh, which is also probably where Go goes. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun to talk about Go this year. Uh, mm-hmm. J- Jacob, uh, Alec Jacob, not medically cleared yet, but there's a fifth, sixth inning guy. Right. Uh, they picked up the kid in the Rule 5. Don't know, Kolick. Uh, there's right. a fifth inning guy. So I'm I'm working back to where – Okay, okay, more options. And and this this whole pitching staff, forget the outfielders. They're going to find those guys. They've got a really good core, I believe. Uh, it's the pitching that makes me go back, and I don't know how you feel, but back and forth, day-to-day almost, um, of, oh, they're going to be fine. Oh, wow, this could be a really be a disaster. Oh, they're going to be fine because this, this – oh, wow, this could blow up. Right. Well, to me, it comes down to the the two guys who we think are automatics, and and it's that's Darvish and, and Musgrove. These are two guys who are coming off of scary sounding injuries towards the end of last year. Guys who, I mean, by all accounts, look like they're going to be good to go, et cetera, et cetera. But a, we don't know everything. B, they're not getting any younger. None of us are. Um, and you know, we're penciling those two guys in at one and two. But but God forbid something happened to one or two. And then all of a sudden you're looking at, let's say it's Joe Musgrove and a bunch of dude. And, you know, what do you do there? What do you do there? I mean, do you trade for Shane Bieber? Is Jake Arrieta still available? Where's, where is Vince Velasquez or <laughs> go down the list? Uh, the, what's his name? Um, oh God, Frank Jared Stammen, he's going to be on the coaching staff. He can start three times in a week again. Exactly. He could start a playoff game. He could start a must win playoff game again. Um, 
that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing that makes me nervous. It's not necessarily all these other guys because, hey, it's competition. It's not like it's garbage that they're throwing out there. These are talented guys. It's what happens to, to your one or your two. And if you're a playoff team or think you are in a short series, you know, are you comfortable, you know, thinking that Darvish, Musgrove, and somebody else can get it done. You are correct. This is nothing new. This is like, this is a higher level version of what the Padres did for years, which is if this guy does this, and if this guy does this, and if this guy does this, you know, we could possibly contend. Now, this is a higher level. This is a much better team than most of those years. It just is. But it still is relying far more Now, last year didn't work out, so I guess maybe you could take that as a positive. But uh, it's still relying far more than here in recent years on the ifs and the have-tos. This is what's what's unique about the Padres situation going in with – I'll include Michael King and say going in with three starters and a bunch of question marks. What's unique about it is that this is a contending team. Mm-hmm. This is a team that expects to contend and that, you know, despite what was it, fan graphs yesterday, which I didn't even feel compelled to really talk about it, love fan graphs, but they had the Padres at like 95% last year. Um, they've got them at 35% this year. I think what fan graphs does is awesome, but playoff projections. Um, well, when you don't know fun, who. They're fun to talk about, but I think as a Padre fan, you're just coming off last year. You don't want to hear anything about playoff <laughs> projections. Well, and and who are they penciling in as the Padres starting left fielder in their projection? It's raining again, Brian Finley. It's it's ridiculous, Kevin. You can't get to Peoria, Arizona. You can't get to Peoria soon enough, can you? (laughs) Say what you will about Peoria, Kevin, but it's always dry mostly. I think it's actually moving that way, as I saw. But uh, yeah, it'll be fine. But I just look. I I heard something. I looked outside at the pool. It's raining again. It will not stop. Look at you. Yeah, yeah. It's brutal. It's a couple things. Hey, real quick, because because we are running out of time a little bit. Uh, how's Manny's health? Uh, what position is Manny playing on opening day or is he on the team at all on opening? Well, I think he's playing third base on opening day because he's Manny Machado and he kind of runs the place, uh, in some ways, uh, as many veterans, uh, do right. Like it's a team. Once you get to a certain status, how you're used is a team effort and, uh, you, you get a little more say and Manny loves to play. And also Manny appears healthy. Now I would say 10 to 12 days you know, into the camp is when we have a better idea, right? How much has he played third? He They might ease him into third. The guy's played kind of a long time, doesn't need a lot of work there. Put him there on, you know, one of the exhibitions in Korea and let him start that next day. Um, I'm, I'm joking, but like, th- whatever. We know he can play third. It's about maintaining Manny's health for opening day and then more importantly, for beyond. So if he's not at third base, beginning of the season, whatever my understanding is almost no doubt that he's in the lineup opening day there was a time in my pre-sports editor life kevin when i watched the padres for fun and not for work when when, when i really became enamored with jose ozokar <laughs> when, when 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 jose ozokar did some things you know game-winning hit here and there would score a run in extra innings here and there i thought then that he was a really nice piece is he a starter let me tell you something if you met him you'd love him even more Okay, just a lover of baseball, a lover of life, uh, committed to uh, the game and to uh, everything, including like moving to the United States in the offseason. Now there's a girl involved, but, you know, to better his English. And I mean, just just and and not just the United States. Right. Michigan. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean, not Miami or San Diego. 
some pl- Michigan. Yeah, Boy, the Venezuelan yeah. didn't just go to Miami. No big right. deal. Great point. I shouldn't just, yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, look, he's got a shot. And that's kind of the team that you're going to be looking at, right? Like you, it's, we, it's hard. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. I don't want to turn everything negative when you're talking about the payroll and these good players that they've got. So I apologize for hemming and hawing there, but with what they've done at the top end of their (laughs) roster, and some could argue overpaid or paid too early or whatever on some people, Jose Azokars are going to be everywhere. So yeah, Jose Zocar has a real shot. I haven't got a good endorsement from baseball people inside the Potters organization about it. Like, like that they're willing to commit to Jose Zocar. Like right. they are to Brito and Vasquez as being viable options for the rotation. They're not like, oh yeah, Jose Zocar, that could really be our starting center fielder. They'll acknowledge it could be, but they talk about competition. They talk about bringing in somebody else, you know. So, but Jose Zocar... Uh, I'm with you. I might not have, look, we all get our guys, right? And those old cars yours. I love it. Uh, and, and you're not saying that he's, you know, Manny Machado or Hassan Kim, mm. but you, he's your guy that you love. Um, and I like him a lot. I think he's going to play a lot more this year. If he stays healthy, if he continues, it's been an upward trajectory for me. Look, there's a ceiling for him, but it's been an upward trajectory and he's going to play more. Right. Can he be diet Grisham? I mean, can he be, you know, right, right handed, cover some ground, hit 235 Grisham at one eighth the price? He can put I the mean, ball in play. Right. Whereas so, with Grisham, it was kind of a toss up there. Uh, sure. and, and remember how many times I say on this podcast, I'm a, I was a Grisham guy. Right. But let's be honest, like it just was a hole that just had to be taken care of. Um, right. And uh, I wish him well in New York. Um, so he can put the ball in play. He cannot, there has Doesn't not been the power. any indication. He can't play center field like him. But you know what? Fernando Tatis Jr. at this point, and not for another year, couldn't play center field like Trent Grisham did. He, Fernando might make some more spectacular plays, but what Trent Grisham did, he was a vacuum and made you think what he was doing was easy. And that's an art. Yes, it absolutely is. Who is playing left field on opening day, Kevin? <laughs> we're, we're getting I, right into the tough questions today. Peter Marcano? I don't know who's playing. Xander, Xander Bogarts? Uh, I don't no. believe so. Okay. Okay. I don't believe so. That's not I, the place. Tommy Pham? Uh, you know, I think his mm-hmm. price and, and, and is going to be a little high for the Padres. They've been talking to him, but, mm-hmm. you know, hey. Talk to a lot of people, but I think maybe him more than others. But uh, that's Tommy's in that place where it's kind of a wait and see thing. He has been basically his whole career Uh, and he could come here. Uh, He would like to. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there aren't many starting. There aren't many starting jobs available on playoff contending teams. You would think that of the of the remaining free agents. And again, money's a a big obstacle. But you think of the remaining free agents. This is I mean, this is better than playing left field for the A's. This is better than playing left field for I mean, the Miami Marlins, isn't it? I mean, this is this is an opportunity to maybe to not Miami, but I'm okay. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm. The, how about the Anaheim Angels? How about that? Or there Los you go, Angels. Angels. Yeah, um, you know, to me, that's you would think that if all things were equal, that uh, an opportunity to play for the Padres might be good because again, they consider themselves contenders. Um, Kevin, you go to Peoria here momentarily. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a little bit of a shorter spring for you. 
good, bad. Uh, what, what do we make of this? Shorter spring for everybody. Obviously, uh, I really do appreciate your concern, Ryan, but uh, obviously more important than me, the players. I have only ever been jet lagged once in my life, and that was coming back from Asia. This is a man who travels a fair amount. And uh, so, man, so the Padres will play on Thursday, which would be Thursday morning, San Diego time, the 21st. They are fortunate enough, unlike me, to then hop on a charter and fly directly home, getting there Thursday night. Saturday is Peter Seidler's Celebration of Life, just announced a story up with some pictures of the patch uh, that has been unveiled. Uh, uh, Sunday, Fan Fest. Players will be expected to be at both. Not mandatory to be at, uh, at Saturday's event, but players will be expected to be there and staff and all that. Monday and Tuesday play the Mariners. Wednesday, day off, voluntary workout. Thursday, opening day. Woo, that is a whirlwind after a trip across the world and a short spring. The big thing will be getting probably, presumably, Musgrove and Darvish ready for the, to pitch on the 20th and the 21st. Um, and, and how you do all that. Then you get the, you know, your five days off, probably get Musgrove and Darvish again, depending on how, you know, things are going for them. And it shouldn't be that big a deal, but it, it's, it's just a lot. It's just yeah. a lot at the start of the season. And, yeah. you know, there, there hasn't been a normal spring training for a while. Padres had Mexico city last year, took something out of them. Uh, you know, who knows? Hey, like how golfers or even ball players go out with the flu and have like the, the round of their life, right? Maybe the Padres just push through and, and, and there's no excuses and they start off the season really hot because like of the challenge and it was a, them against the world. And I'm pretty sure that's how Mike Schilt is going to frame it. He's that kind of guy. Um, but I'm just saying, I think this is going to be quite a challenge uh, for, for the Padres, for the Dodgers too, but they have some advantages. Right. Yeah. So, and if there's one thing the Padres can't afford to do, if we learned this last year, you can't afford to stumble coming out of the gate. I just don't you think gotta so. play better. You got to play better in April and May. You just, do. I, I, yes, it, they were the, the only baseball adage they proved because honestly, I don't know if you played that season another 999 times, the Padres wouldn't make the playoffs based on, you know, those close games, the extra inning games, those sorts of things. Just all the the markers that were on their team that suggested every team that's done that before them has been successful. That was just remarkable and, and rare. The one adage they proved is you can't win the division in April and May, but you can lose it. But you can lose <laughs> But you can lose it. Yeah. Kevin, I usually put you on the spot before we leave, and today is no different. It's a tradition uh, unlike any other. Uh, in, a, in a couple minutes or less, tell the folks about your first ever visit to the Dominican Republic. You know, it was it was fantastic. It was fantastic to, to see, but I was there earlier. I guess it gets really crazy when they start the tournament, the the basically the lead up to their to their postseason. Mm -hmm. Uh but what I will tell you is that even though there was smaller crowds that I saw uh, in San Pedro de Marcoris uh, uh, and Punta, no, I was not Punta Cana. There was an, the other city that I went to. Um, you can tell I, I, I'm ready for the season. I've forgotten the off season already. The loudest 2,000 people I've ever heard. So it was just a, a vibe. Music still going on when the pitcher is playing. People playing the drums. Uh, not like one guy up in Oakland or in Cleveland, but like a band. Uh, the players, just incredibly passionate. It was a lot of fun. It's a beautiful, beautiful country. It is also a third world country. 
Um, I think that's something we forget. I don't know if you've ever been to um, the Bahamas or Jamaica and, you know, my, um, you, you go to the airport. And by the way, the airport in the Dominican Republic in Punta Cana is beautiful, just like down mm-hmm. there. And then, you, you know, you, like, you take the shuttle bus to the resort and you don't see the poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I did. And I mean, it's it's wild uh, down there, and you can see uh, it was it was enlightening and neat to see like the personification of of what the players talk about and why baseball is so important to them. That was a lot of fun. I would have loved to have spent a little more time um, and 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 get to know some more people. I look forward to my next trip. It uh, you know it, it was a lot of fun. Kudos to Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, the way he was brought up, man, you just play baseball. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you you know, he went and he played uh, for, what, a month uh, mm-hmm. there, a little over 20 games. Uh, kudos mm-hmm. to the Padres for allowing it. It's not just players maybe that pass on it. Teams uh, don't want their players to play there anymore for understandable reasons. Um, but, yeah, could not get over the beauty, but could not get over the poverty. And I will tell you this. I was going to drive. Mm-hmm hired a guy to drive instead because I was counseled. It's insane down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. Thousands of motorcycles. And wow. I was like, Toddy, what were you doing? I mean, I got before I was questioning why you would ride a motorcycle. <laughs> but what are you doing on a motorcycle in this country? Like, no, very few helmets, three, four, five people piled on a motorcycle. Wow. You they, driving in between cars so that when you got to an intersection, all the motorcycles were up front, like 50 of them at some intersections while the cars had to wait. You left, right. It was uh, the best money the Union Tribune has ever spent was me uh, getting a driver to drive around the Dominican Republic. My guilty pleasure this offseason was watching the Estrellas on uh, on one of the streaming services and uh, I loved it. It got me in the mood for baseball. And uh, what I loved, it, Tatis, it was great to watch Tatis do Tatis things. But, you know, some of the other guys who kind of came through that team throughout the course of the year, I mean, Robbie Cano, right? <laughs> Puig, Puig. I yeah. mean, they, they had some dudes. And, um, and, and Eggy Rosario was a member of the Estrellas. Jerickson uh, Profar. Jerickson Profar, remember, he's another guy, by the way. Hey, Jerickson Profar just loves guy. baseball. Now, of course, he's trying to showcase himself, but he just loves baseball. Wow, that's fantastic. Kevin, one of these years will give you a real offseason. Um, unfortunately, I'm sorry this year wasn't it, but I'm excited. No, it's to most, mostly A.J. Preller, right? Mostly, mostly <laughs> his fault, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Kevin, drive safely to Peoria, and uh, next time we talk, uh, you will be someplace warmer and drier, I hope. If I could, folks, and I meant to do this at the start, uh, speaking of the offseason, and yes, it didn't feel like much of one, but it was at least one because of the work of Jeff Sanders. And if you want to get yourself ready for uh, spring training, Jeff's annual countdown of uh, or ranking of the uh, 40 the 40 man roster is fantastic. Find that on our, uh, at uniontribune.com slash Padres. I think, uh, it's our Padres page. Uh, do what I do. Google Padres union tribune. Uh, and then now, uh, even though it's, uh, incomplete because they still have some additions to make, uh, he does a countdown, uh, sort of position group by position group leading up to uh, spring training. So catch those. And then on Sunday, uh, I will have, uh, my preview, of kind of the pitching staff, which I have found very interesting, gone down many statistical rabbit holes to talk about what the Padres are up against. But uh, as Ryan said, thank you. Awesome. All right. And, uh, and again, you can always subscribe to the union tribune, go to our website, uh, Kevin AC's Padres. If you break it down with like these deals that we have, 
Yeah. It's like one third of a cent per Padres story. Yeah. Forget mm-hmm. the weather, the seals. Uh, I don't mean the team, though we do write about that. Uh, you know, the pandas, the koalas, you know, all the other stuff, the corruption and, right. and everything else that we cover. If you just want Padres coverage, it's like less than a penny a story. Yep. Yep. And I will say this before I was the sports editor, I was a digital subscriber. Um, it was the best. And I think back then I probably didn't get a good enough deal back then. I was paying, you know, $10 a month and, uh, at, oh. at, 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 at 10 times the price, it was, a Oh my and, gosh, uh, you were like getting gouged. Right. But in, and again, Kevin AC's Padres daily newsletter will start running once we get going here. Um, at the end of March. Uh, that is, uh, that is free 99 as my kids say. Um, to anybody who wants to subscribe. And, uh, and that's fantastic, too. So that'll do it for this episode of the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, I'm Ryan Finley. We'll see you next time.